Hello and welcome to the Mayfield Road Podcast, a ministry of Mayfield Road Baptist Church. Our goal with this podcast is to serve the mission of our church. Our mission is to reach spiritual explorers, build Christ followers, and empower difference makers. This podcast is a tool and resource for you. Listen intently as we learn from the Word of God each week. If you want to connect with our church, check out our website, www.mayfieldroad.org. Enjoy. Well, back when I was a missions pastor, one of the things that I would do every time we were getting ready to, to take a team overseas is I would go through a packing list of everything that you need to bring when you go on a trip. And this was especially important for first-timers because you always had this idea of like, man, all this stuff I need to bring, and, and people have different expectations about what's needed and what's important. And when you go through the list, uh, one by one, you'd find out that there's some things that people would, would want to bring that, no, you're not going to need that. That's really going to waste space. That's really, yeah, that's going to weigh you down. You don't want to have that with you. Or there'd be some stuff that they wouldn't think about. And, oh, dude, you're not going to make it if you don't have this. You better pack that in your bag. And we would go through the packing list one by one and say, this is what you need. This is what's important for you to bring. And it was really, really helpful as a team to kind of set our expectations together and to make sure that we were all on the same page and ready to go, because we all kind of have that way of, of having our own expectations, and they can kind of lead us, sometimes lead us in, in a way that's not helpful. Well, if ever there was a people that were full of expectations and a lot of different expectations, it was the Jewish people at Passover. And when you come to Passover in Jerusalem, especially in the first century, you're talking about a city that is just filled up with expectation, and it's a buzz. Uh, the people came in and were looking forward to, to the celebration, the feast of it, but there were a lot of expectations beyond just having a good time and remembering what God had done in their past. And if you think back over what we've talked about in the last few chapters of Daniel, the last few weeks, you have a good idea why. Because the people look back on those visions and they remembered God's promise that he was going to send a deliverer. And if ever there was a time they were ready for a deliverer, for rescue to come, it was in the first century when they've been under Rome's rule for about 100 years. They're ready to be released from all that. If ever there was a time for a revolution, it was at Passover. Because that was when they remembered God's delivering their people from slavery in Egypt. And, and they thought, I mean, wouldn't that be cool if God did that again? We think he's going to. Daniel has all these, these prophecies, these visions. And most folks think that's going to be like 500 years until that happens. We're around that area right now. It should be right about this time. And so the people are excited about that. They're anticipating that every year. And this year, you've got all this extra buzz about this prophet from Nazareth. Folks have been talking about him for a while, but it just seems like more and more there are these expectations that maybe, 
Maybe this Jesus of Nazareth, maybe he's the one that we've been waiting for. People are getting excited about that. They're talking about him. For some, it seemed like hope was finally on the way. And so when Jesus and his followers are making their way into Jerusalem, for many of the people this time, it just felt different. This year, it felt like something was going to happen. And so we're going to see how they respond to that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to John chapter 12. And boys and girls, if you're following along in your one big story Bible, this is going to be on page 1077. Now, people would arrive in Jerusalem about a week ahead of time, ahead of the Passover, so that they were were ritually pure and able to fully participate in the festival. And Jesus and his disciples are a part of this. The city would normally swell to double its size as all these pilgrims are making their way there and getting ready. And it's just like, I mean, it's like going to the final four or something. You have people running in all excited about what might happen, what might be, what is going to come about. And people are flocking to Jerusalem. And then when they see or get word that Jesus and his followers, his disciples are making their way there. When you factor that in with all the other expectations and all the things that they've been looking forward to, all that just has been building and building and building, well, they just have to let it out, their excitement. And so this is what happens. Look in verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming. Seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples didn't understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. So as Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem, the people, they see him coming and they carry their hopeful expectations to him. You know, this happens, right? When you have hope, when there's something you've been hoping for, that you've been looking forward to, anticipating for a long, long time, we have these expectations that just build and build and build. And when a reason for hope comes, what happens is we run and we take our expectations to that source of hope. It's kind of like when, say, a pro football team has had years and years of eight and eight seasons. And then a new coach comes and we have all these hopes of what's going to happen. And we pin him on him and say, you're the one who's going to make it happen. You're the one who's finally going to deliver on all these hopes. We can relate to that somewhat, right? Man, it gets into basketball season. Y'all forget all of the sadness of being a Cowboys fan. Well, that's what's happening here. The people are coming. They've got all these hopes and expectations that have been building. And Jesus is coming into town. And they're saying, you're the one who's going to do everything that we've been hoping for. 
You're the one that our parents and grandparents have been telling us is going to come. You're the one who's going to bring it all about. You're the one that we've read about in Daniel. You're the one that we talked about in the synagogues. You're the one that we've looked forward to coming all this time. And so now it's time for you to come and do what we've always wanted you to do. And you see that come out in the way that the people respond to Jesus. They come and it says that they cut palm branches and they're there for the parade. That sounds like a very normal thing, something you do to celebrate to us. But it's really got a lot more meaning to that. You see, ever since the time of the Maccabee Rebellion, about 150 years ago, palm branches had become like a patriotic symbol for the Jewish people. It's like they're printed on their coins. And so when they're waving palm branches, it's not just saying, hey, this is a great day, let's have a parade. It's we think something important's about to happen for our country. This is a milestone, maybe a pivot moment for our nation. And we're excited about it. They cry out, Hosanna, which is a Hebrew phrase meaning save us. It's a cry for rescue. And it was a cry that had become a prayer of praise, too. Because they knew the only one who's really going to save us is God working through this promised deliverer. And so they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, save us. You're the one who will. They sing uh, or chant uh, or shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's a psalm. That's from Psalm 118. It's a psalm like celebrating God's deliverance. But it refers in that psalm to a great deliverer who is going to bring about God's rescue. They're saying, this is the one. You're the one that the psalm is talking about. You're the one that we've been looking forward to. It all comes to a head, though, with the last statement that John writes here, a statement that really sums it all up. Blessed is the King of Israel. You are the one that we've been waiting for. It's been a long time since the Jewish people had a king, a real king. And they're saying, now, Jesus, we believe you're it. We believe the time has come. And they're placing all of their hopes and expectations for what he's going to do right there on him. They're like laying all their expectations on him as they're putting their cloaks down on the road saying, you're the one who's going to do everything we've been waiting for. And Jesus, he welcomes He welcomes the parade. He welcomes their praise and their honor and recognition. But then he tweaks it a little bit. He refines their expectations a little bit. Because he doesn't tell them to stop it, stop it, I'm not a king. He lets them praise. He lets them wave the palm branches. He lets them shout, Hosanna, welcome, blessed is the king. He lets all that happen. But then he does something a little different. You see, ordinarily, when you'd have a a big royal parade like this, this was common back in in first century world. This was a normal thing. Like when a king would go and visit a city, the people would come out to meet the king and give him a royal parade to welcome him in. They'd hear that he's on his way, and they'd be excited about it, and they'd go out to meet him and escort him into the city, give him a proper greeting the way that he deserved. And that's what the people are doing here. They're going out to meet Jesus. They hear that he's on the way. They go out to meet him and welcome him in. The thing is, most of the time, 
when a king is coming into the city, he's coming in in style. He's coming in riding in his chariot with some big powerful horses. He's got some horsepower pulling him. He's coming in fast. He's an impressive, impressive picture. He comes in like a mighty warrior rolling in. I mean, if people are throwing out a parade, he's pulling out all the stops. I don't know if you can do a burnout in a chariot, but if you could, he would find a way to do it. I mean, this is a big deal. He's coming in making a show of his power. And Jesus does something totally different. He rides in on a donkey, a young colt. It's not really that impressive. Except for the people that had, you know, had read the scriptures, had, had heard them over and over again, they would recall this idea that, you know what, there's, there's an image, there's a picture here that Jesus is playing out from the prophet Zechariah that one day the king we're waiting for who will rule the nations with peace, he would come in riding on a donkey. That's what, that's what John says is going on here. And even though the disciples don't fully grasp it, many of them probably recognize there's some symbolism here that Jesus is coming in as a king. He is coming in in this way. He may be the one we're waiting for. He's coming with peace. But they didn't, they didn't fully grasp how he's going to do it. They certainly didn't fully grasp all that it would mean that he's not coming in to lead a revolt or a rebellion. He's coming in to lay down his life. And that's how his kingdom gets established. He doesn't get coronated with some big ceremony and like the high priest setting a crown on his head. He gets coronated by Roman soldiers putting a crown of thorns on his head. Being raised up on a cross. And the Roman governor tacking a sign on the cross saying, The king of the Jews... It's a very different coronation. It's a very different picture of a very different kind of king. But it's exactly the king that the people are longing for. They've been looking forward to this king who's going to come in and usher in the great golden age. Who's going to, you know, who's going to deal with, with everything that's wrong. They have their hopeful expectations for what Jesus is going to do. He's going to kick Rome out, tell him to go back across the sea. He's going to remove the bullies and the oppressors from their lives. He's going to make it so that they now get to experience the good life. Where they're no longer having to pay taxes to Caesar. And they're no longer having to deal with the corruption and the idolatry and the immorality of even their own, their own leaders there around the temple. And the religious leaders that are you know, just putting on a show. They're looking forward to, to Jesus ushering in the age of Jubilee that Daniel had promised that they'd been looking forward to. And Jesus would do it, but he would do it in a way that was different. He would have to tweak or refine their expectations in some way. Because he was a different kind of king. Now, as we follow this story, and as this story kind of sets the tone for us getting ready for Easter week, we, we want to... We want to participate in our own celebration, our own parade for Jesus. Now, I mean, this, is, this really is the week that marks 
the absolute foundation of who we are as a people. If there's no Easter, there's no church. This is the foundation of who we are and what we look forward to and everything that we base our lives on as followers of Jesus. So we, wanna, we want to, to be a part. We want to be fully engaged in honoring Jesus and letting Him be at the center of our attention this week. And so one of the ways that we're going to do that this week, uh, I would just encourage us, let's have time of soaking our mind in the story of Jesus. If you're on our email list or following us on Facebook, uh, this week we're going to put out reading, uh, reading guides to follow the last week of Jesus. Look at what he's doing at each moment and just kind of relive his story and what he did that last week leading up to the cross. And that'll be a time for us to prepare our hearts. And that's a way for us to, to worship and honor him throughout the week. But even as we celebrate Jesus as our king, even as we welcome him and honor him, we also need to have our expectations refined a little bit. You see, we, we come to Jesus and we have our own ideas too, don't we? We have our own ideas of what he's going to do and how he's going to work and when he's going to do what we've been asking him to do and how he's going to bring it about. And it's like we, we have our own bag packed of, of everything that we want Jesus to do. We've got all of these expectations that we have and we just are expecting him to bring it about at just the right time, just the way that we want him to. And a big part of following Jesus is learning that, you know, sometimes he doesn't follow our expectations. What expectations have you been carrying to Jesus? Is it that he'll remove the stress that you've been carrying this last season? Is it that he's going to, you know, he's going to bring about the good life that we follow him and everything gets better? Is it that, that he's going to, to give us wisdom to guide our steps for how to go forward? See, we all have these expectations, some of them that are right on target. Some of them that may need to be refined a little bit. Because we get real clear on what we want Jesus to do and how we want him to do it and when we want it done. But if he's the king, he's the one who sets the agenda. Isn't that right? And it's absolutely true that he's the one who meets our expectation, but he does it in his way, in the right way, at the right time, with perfect wisdom and perfect love and perfect power. And so the, the words of the old Christmas carol are, are right. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in him, but we have to let him meet them in the right way that he knows. 
We have to trust his wisdom and his guidance. And so church family, as, as we go and we read the story leading up to, to the crucifixion, as we kind of retrace Jesus' steps in the last way, pay attention. Look at how many times Jesus is refining the expectations for his own people. Saying, yes, I'm the king, not the one not the way that you're looking for. Yes, I'm here to, del- to deliver you. Yes, I'm here to forgive you. Yes, I'm here to bring you life. Sometimes it's going to challenge you. We need to be open and let Jesus refine our expectations. Because that's what it means to follow a king. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for how faithful you are in sending, in sending Jesus, our King. Lord, we, we recognize that we all come with different, different expectations of how you'll work in us and around us. We have our ideas of how things should go. But in your perfect wisdom and your perfect love, you always answer rightly. Sometimes our our expectations need to be refined. Sometimes our expectations actually get in the way. And so, Father, as we have, as we have all of our hopes, all of our, our expectations, all the things that we've been asking for, all the things that we look to you to, to do in our lives, I pray that you would help us to, to come with open hands. To allow you to shape and, and renew our minds. Lord, refine us so that we, we trust your leading. Thank you for what you've done, for what it means for us. And pray that as we prepare to celebrate Easter together, that you'd continue to shape us to be people whose lives are defined by you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.